Ten years ago, Joe and I went to Finland for a holiday. And while we were there, we, were, we, we started off in Helsinki. And it was a, a lovely city. And uh, it was very, very cold. We went in sort of um, March, um, February, March time, I think it was. Um, and the sea was still frozen. There was thick sea ice in the harbour. Ships were, were, were stuck there and had been all winter. And um, it, was, it, was, it was lovely. It was a great, great place to go. But there was one morning when we went to a local fish market, which was a fascinating place. But I, was in, I wasn't in the best of spirits. I was in a pretty bad mood. This had been started because as we left the hotel, Joe had said to me, Tom, it's, it's minus five out there. You need to have more clothes on. You're not going to be warm enough. And I said, oh, I'm fine standing in a sweltering hot hotel. I'm fine, I'm fine. I know it's cold. Don't worry, it's fine. And she said, the fish market won't be heated. It's a fish market. And I said, yeah, I'll be all right. Anyway, within five minutes of leaving the hotel, I realised you've been absolutely right. Couldn't bring myself to admit it. And so I was cold. And I don't like being cold. Um, I don't carry an awful lot of natural insulation. And I don't like being cold. I was also in a bit of a bad mood because we walked into this fish market and there were people with trays offering samples of things and, and I love a free sample of something so um, I walked up to the first, um, the first trader and I just he, he was you know, encouraging me didn't speak a word of English and my, my Finnish is non-existent as well so um, he just encouraged me to take some so I took something and Joe was frantically standing there with a, with a phrase book she said I recognise what's written on the board I, I've seen it in, a, in, a, in the guidebook somewhere and I just put this stuff in my mouth and and I thought, oh, that is, that is the most rancid thing I have ever tasted. It was awful. And just as I was about to, I couldn't even talk. I wanted to tell Joe, help, this is awful. What am I going to do? I can't spit it out in front of the bloke. This, it was absolutely foul. And just at that point, she said, oh, yeah, here it is. Fish market, blah, 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 open this day, this speciality. That's right. Yeah, that's it. I said, what is it? She said, that is rotting shark meat. Rotting shark. I said, what? She said, it's a delicacy. I said, no, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, an abhorrence. This was awful. Anyway, I, I, I ate it, and, and being British, you know, you can't spit something out and be... I, I swallowed it, and every time, every time that I swallowed from that point, I could just taste this stuff, and it was literally rotting shark meat. Apparently, go to Finland, it's a delicacy, but, oh, it was awful. It was absolutely foul. And so I was walking around this fish market, I was freezing cold, I had this disgusting, awful taste in my mouth that made me nauseous, and I wasn't having much fun. The reason I'm telling you this is because as we, as we walked around, um, the floor was quite slippery, there was, there was ice, and therefore there was water on the floor, and also there, were, there was fish guts and things like that, and you have to be careful where you trod, it was, it was slippery. And suddenly, as we walked along, um, there was an elderly lady about five yards in front of us, and she slipped on the floor, and she fell down. And um, I must have hesitated, because Joe immediately gave me a shove. I was going to go and help, um, but I must have hesitated. Joe gave me a shove. I, I went over, and another, another guy, one of the market traders, had, um, had come over. And we, we lifted this lady up. And I noticed she absolutely stank. She was in a terrible, terrible state. Clothes were... Um, thin, threadbare and full of holes um, and as I picked her up she took my arm 
and her skin was slippery, not with the fish debris, but just with, with dirt. She clearly, I don't know what her circumstances were, but she, she needed a bath, she needed help. She was clearly not in a, um, in a good state. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I was really shocked at my reaction. Because I'd been, I, I was a baptised Christian, I, I think I might have just started preaching. It was fairly early on, relatively early on in my, in my Christian walk. But my response, I noticed in myself, I, I helped this lady up and she was, she, was, she was okay, she hadn't broken anything, she was checking herself over and she was, she was insisting she was alright or making gestures that seemed to indicate that. Um, and the, the market trader was talking to her and I realised that I'd sort of probably done as much as I could, but I realised that in myself I couldn't wait to step back and go and wash my hands. I didn't react with love. I didn't react with, um, with, with the kindness that, that puts aside your own reactions and instead focuses on the welfare of the individual. I wanted to do the bare minimum, minimum and then get out of there. And I was really disappointed in myself after that. And I spent a long time reflecting on it. Because as Christians, we, we, we talk the talk a lot, don't we? About, about loving people and Jesus came to, to um, seek and save the lost. We should be doing the same and we, we're into mission and we like helping people. But it really hammered home to me that, well, there's two things. First of all, you've got to be able to put your money where your mouth is. And we need to, we need to be able to make sure that when we, when we say these things in church, we actually, genuinely, if we find ourselves in a situation where we're required to put them into practice, we can. And we can do it with all the love that Jesus would have done it with. But the other thing it showed me is that to serve others... It takes a very special sort of person. It was great earlier to have the, the prayer time when we, when we mentioned the way that different people serve and the different acts of service. Because there are so many different acts of service that just go unnoticed. People don't get thanks, don't get appreciated. They just, it's just done and we can take it for granted. But actually... It takes a special sort of person to do that, just to keep going on, going on, going on, because they know that they're, 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 it's their way of serving. It's what they want to do. They feel called to do it, and they recognise that calling, and they recognise that, that God calls us to serve in certain ways. God gives some of us different, different gifts. We all have a gift of some sort, and once we identify it, it's not about the adoration of, of our fellow men and women. It's, it's about pleasing God. I read a great quote this week that service is love with its work clothes on. Love is something we can, we can talk about and it's all, it's all very nice but when that actually goes out and is put to work it's service. We serve others. He who serves deserves. Jesus made that clear when he was speaking to his disciples. He said, anyone who wants to be first, anyone who wants to, to be top of the tree, to be, to be on my list, anyone who wants to be first, must be last and servant of all. Anyone who wants to be first, must be last and must be servant of all. It's not about 
what we achieve, what we do, it's about what we do for others, how we help others achieve, how we help other people. That's serving. And today's sermon is all about God's people who serve. Now, we're here today, I hope, because we, we include ourselves in, in, that, in that first part of the statement, God's people. We are all God's people. As soon as we commit ourselves to Christ, as soon as we say, Lord, I, I want to follow you, I believe in, in, in the Holy Bible, I want to apply that to my life, I want to live out what it says, at that point we become part of God's people. We go through the waters of baptism, we, we, sort of, we seal the deal, if you like, we make that commitment. And from then on, God has got us. God has got us. He promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But what do we do after that? We serve. Why? Because that's the example that Jesus taught us. It's the example that Jesus set us through his actions. He who serves, deserves. Now, of course, none of us will ever deserve a place in heaven, a relationship with God. None of us ever deserve to be made perfect. And that's why we need the grace of God. We receive that grace and we know that our future is assured. But we still should respond obediently following the teachings of Jesus. We still should respond by serving God, but also serving others. You see, if we're going to build the kingdom of God by, by, by bringing more and more people into it, if we're going to reach out and touch the lives of others, if we're going to be the, the beacons that reflect God's glory or the, the vessels that carry his spirit, whatever metaphor we want to use, if we're actually going to do that, then yes, it's important to serve God, but how do we do that? We don't bring sacrifices to the temple. That's all been done and dusted with. That's, that's an Old Testament ritual. Jesus put an end to that. He was the ultimate sacrifice. So now, our way of serving God is to serve God's people and to serve those who aren't yet aware that they will become God's people. How we serve others truly reflects our heart. If I'd been in that fish market in Helsinki and I'd seen Jesus slipping on the floor, then... I would have done everything I possibly could to serve him, to pick him up, to make sure he's comfortable, take off my coat and put it round him. would have done everything. But it wasn't him. And so suddenly, my true colours were revealed. And I was disappointed in what I saw. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's got a, before I make myself sound like a particularly bad Christian, I'm sure that we've all been in situations like that where we've reflected afterwards and think, oh, I had an opportunity there to, to, to serve, to really show love and kindness. And actually, I followed my earthly instinct rather than, rather than seeing what Jesus would do, thinking what Jesus would do and acting accordingly. The unpaid service that you render humanity is exalting as long as you don't mention it. That was another statement I found this week when I was preparing for today. Let me read that again. The unpaid service you render humanity is exalting as long as you don't mention it. We don't serve people, we don't do things so that we can then boast about it. So we can then big ourselves up and celebrate it. Actually, we get far more respect from people 
if we demonstrate humility alongside service. If we're humble, if we just play it down. Now, of course, there are, there are times when we can, we can say, wow, that's, that's fantastic. Yesterday up at Perry Street, it was the, the Eastern Baptist Association um, gathering. They call it the gathering. It used to be the AGM, but of course no one goes to an AGM, so they called it the gathering instead. And actually it was a brilliant day. It was a day of worship and seminars and um, the, the president of the Baptist Union was there and he spoke and it was, it was a really good day. The worship was fantastic. It was, the church was full. It was brilliant. That should be celebrated. But what you won't see, I hope, is individuals saying, yeah, well, I was the one that put all the chairs out. I was the one that did all the children's work. I was the one who got the hog roast. You won't see people exalting themselves because as soon as you do that, suddenly you lose credibility. Suddenly people say, oh, right, okay. So, great, you, you, you carried out an act of service and now you want to rub our faces in it. You suddenly lose credibility. You see, Jesus humbled himself. John chapter 13, verse 14, he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. Now, an awful lot has been said and written about the act of feet washing, the significance of that. But in its most base form, it is not a pleasant job. It certainly wasn't in those days when personal hygiene wasn't what it is now and when you walked around and if you, if you were lucky you had sandals, if not you didn't, you had to walk everywhere. The act of washing someone's feet was an act of absolute humility. Jesus says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, Jesus says, I am your Lord, I am your teacher, I have knowledge that you do not have, I am, I am above you and yet I'm not, I am your servant. We've just sung, haven't we? This is our God, the servant king. What an odd phrase. A servant king. When our, when our royal family go and um, visit orphanages and, or, or Harry's been walking through a minefield this week and that sort of thing, it's all over the press. People celebrate it because it's such a... Um, it flies in the face of their status. Wow, the, the, the royals are, are, are doing this. It's celebrated and funnily enough the press are always there taking pictures and it's on the news. And, but Jesus just quietly in front of his friends knelt down, washed their feet. And he said, now I've washed your feet. You should wash one another's. Don't, don't all line up to, to wash mine. That's not what it's about. Serve each other. Serve each other. Because through serving we demonstrate love. I've always, um, I've always admired my wife for this. She's the last person to blow her own trumpet. She, she hates attention. She, she doesn't like standing up in front of groups of people and that sort of thing. But every now and then, if she hears of someone going through a difficult time, she'll just she'll send flowers or, or some sort of a gift and she won't leave any note. It'll be completely anonymous. And I've always said, no, you should put on there, you know, thinking of you, praying for you. And she said, no, I'm just, um, it, there might be a little card saying, thinking of you, from a friend. But she'll never put her name to it. And she says, no, because I just want them to walk out of the house and think, 
I'm going through a bad situation. I'm struggling at the moment. But there is somebody, and I don't know who it is. So I need, it could be anybody that I meet today who has put that card from my letterbox or sent those flowers or whatever it happens to be. It could be anybody. And that's amazing because suddenly you treat everybody as if they were the ones that treated you with that kindness. Suddenly it's not just the one you think, oh, well, next time I see them, I must thank them, I must... It's not about that. Suddenly it changes your attitude to everybody because you think, well, it could have been them that showed that act of love, or them, or them, or them, or them, and just in case I'm not going to pick one and, and put my money on that, I'm going to, I'm going to treat everybody like they've, they've shown this act of kindness. So it changes attitudes if we serve with humility, if we don't celebrate our success, but instead allow others to appreciate it. But when, we, when it comes to serving God... Let's be careful, don't we? Because there are plenty of people out there that, that are willing to serve God, but, but only, only in the capacity of a consultant. They're happy to act in an advisory manner. Lord, please increase the size of the car park because parking's a nightmare at the moment and we, we, have, we have so many people coming. We need to have, we need to have better, better access. Please give us funds. Please... Give us what we need. Please do this, do this, do this. But instead, rather than acting as a consultant, we should be acting as a servant. Father, whatever you want me to do in this situation, open my eyes, make it clear. Help me to discern your will and then get on with doing it. Serving is obedient. We're obedient to God. The Bible is full of examples of people who, who had pretty unpleasant tasks, but they were obedient in the way that they served. Only have to look at, the, look at the prophets, people like Jeremiah, some of the things he had to do. Look at Job. We see these pictures of, of obedience. There's that incredible image, isn't there, at the end of um, the first chapter of Job, where he's, he's lost his... His, his land, his livestock, his wealth, his property, his, his family, his children. And he falls to his knees and he beats his brow and he says, Lord, I brought nothing into this world. I'll take nothing out of it. Everything I've been given was given from you and now you've taken it. And so I'll still worship you. That's in, what, what a servant. That's incredible. What an amazing example of an obedient servant. So when we serve, we are, we are being obedient to God. Serving is also submissive. As we read in that, that passage from John, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he submits. It's a, it was an act of submission. And then he says, now submit to one another, serve one another. Don't exalt yourself over, over and above, serve one another. Because serving is love in action. Serving is also loyal. If we say we'll do something, we do it. If we, if we commit to something, we seek to serve in every way we can. When we commit to a church, we serve the church. We don't simply say, yep, yep, I'm part of that church. And then when someone says, can you help at all? Can you, can you serve? Oh no, 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 I'll, I'll come along on Sundays, but that's me done. Now some people do that, and again, it's not a question of salvation. 
Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't, it wasn't conditional. He made an unconditional sacrifice that if we choose to follow him, through him we are saved. But, what does it say about our response, how much we value what Jesus did for us if we make no effort to be obedient and loyal to him and his teaching as a result of our salvation? Service is not a duty. It's not a chore or an obligation. If you're serving in some sort of capacity and and suddenly you you find it's become a chore and an obligation and you think, oh, I can't be bothered, but I said I'd do it, I'd better go and do it, then you need to question, hang on, hang on, am I being called to serve in this role? My heart's not in it. Why not? What's happened? And that's when we need to to pray seriously about about how we're called to serve God. Because it might be that you've been doing the same role for ten years. And that God said, right, I wanted you to do that for ten years. You've been brilliant. Now, I've got a different role for you. But if we don't spend the time in prayer, reflecting and and questioning God, asking for his direction, then we might do another ten years in a role that he doesn't want us to be doing anymore. And the role that he did have lined up for us isn't being done. So we need to make sure that when we're serving in some capacity, if it suddenly becomes a chore, if the excitement goes out of it, if the, if the passion isn't there anymore and it becomes an obligation and, and a bit of a drag, we need to ask, is this still what God wants me to be doing? Serving is not something to moan about. In the same way it's not something that we go and boast about, it's also not something we go and moan about. Yesterday morning... Um, so we had this EBA gathering day. Um, Charlotte has been away at college all week and um, she got back on Friday night. Um, before she went, she did as much preparation as she possibly could. She told people what, what they were doing, different jobs. Um, but inevitably with children's work, there is an awful lot of work that cannot be done until the immediate um, build-up to the event. And so Charlotte... She won't, she won't thank me for saying this, but it's, it's worth noting because she won't exalt herself rightly. Um, so I'll do it for her. She, she got back from college and at 11 o'clock on Friday night, someone drove past the church and the lights were on. And she was in there on her own and had been for several hours setting everything up. She was then on six, 6 o'clock Saturday morning, she was there setting the rest of the stuff up, getting it all sorted. And when, when I turned up at about 8 o'clock, it looked amazing. She had prepared the church. It looked fantastic. She had so many activities lined up and bits and pieces. Right, when that's done, we'll clear that away and bring this out and get that done. Then we'll go into this room where I've set this out. The whole thing, it was superb. And I went and helped with a little bit of the children's work yesterday and it was incredible. It ran like clockwork because she had spent so much time preparing. And she would never have told anybody if, if someone hadn't driven past the church on Friday night um, and then someone else had, had seen her car there at that time and she would never, ever, it was only when she was really pressed on the subject she said, yeah, yeah, I've, I had to do that, I've been away all week. She was serving. And she was serving with the right heart. It wasn't anything to moan about, it wasn't an obligation or a chore, it wasn't something to begrudge. It was something that she's passionate about doing and so she did it. For all of us, if we're not passionate about serving God, then we need to ask, well, am I serving in the right capacity? 
Am I doing the right thing for him? Ephesians 6 verse 7 says, Serve wholeheartedly, as if you're serving God, not man. I love that. You would have heard me come out with that before, I'm sure, because it's, it's, it's one of my, my favourite, although I don't like saying that, favourite Bible verses. Serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving God, not man. That takes out of it any of the, the human politics that we might encounter, any of the, the difficulties when someone annoys us or says something or doesn't appreciate what we've done or hurts us or tells us we're not doing well enough. We can, we can just cut that out. I'm not doing it for you. You might be in charge of this operation. You might be my boss. I'm doing this for God. God knows I've done my best. I am serving God. And suddenly, whatever the circumstances you're serving in, serving becomes easier. Because you suddenly have this clear idea of who you're serving. If we serve God, then whatever man throws at us can't hurt us. We serve wholeheartedly as if we're serving God, not man. That word wholeheartedly, it's not half-heartedly. Our whole heart, our whole being goes into serving. We commit ourselves absolutely. Jesus said nobody can serve two masters. When we take on a an obligation, if we're only half-hearted, it's never going to succeed. It's never going to be done as well as it possibly could be because our whole heart isn't in it. If we think, well, I'll, I'll go along, I'll do a little bit, I'll see how it goes, that doesn't always get results. Often it doesn't get results. Often the, the thing that gets results is the person who says, I know this sounds crazy, but... I can't wait to get going with this, with, with, with walking into the high street and shouting out, Jesus loves you. I feel really cool to do that. Now, for most of us, we'd think, wow, right, okay, good luck with that. We'd back away. But if God calls us to do something and we, we go into it wholeheartedly and put everything that he's given us into that, he's equipped us with everything that we need. If we're willing to pour it all into the initiative that he's called us to serve in, then it will succeed because God gives us what we need. But if we hold some back, If we hold some back, then what he's given us, we're not using in its its fullness. And so our serving is not as effective as God wants it to be. We are called to serve. This is a calling. When we're called to do something, it has an impact on our lives. uh, uh, Serving is sacrificial. We have to be prepared to to give up time, to give up resources, maybe even to to give up our lives and and travel or or do something incredible like that. God can call us to a secular job. It doesn't have to be within the church. even, Even when I used to work in a city as an insurance broker, there were people who I used to work with who loved, loved the, 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 the minutiae of insurance policies. They loved it. They were dull as anything. But do you know what? When you talk to them about insurance, they found that they had a passion for it. And you think, you're actually doing the job you're meant to do. I never had that. I did the job because it, it paid the bills and it was, it, was a, it, it was a job I could do. I never had passion for it. 
And when I left the city and started in ministry, I suddenly found this fulfilment. I never, I never missed it because I never had it. But, but when I suddenly thought, oh, I love doing what I'm doing now. This is, this is, this is brilliant. Suddenly I realised how those people must have felt about their job, even though that it, was, it, was, it was insurance. They loved it. They were fascinated and they wanted to do it. They'd spend weekends travelling to insurance conferences and reading insurance policies because, because they, they just couldn't get enough of it. And when I went into ministry and when I started studying, I suddenly thought, that's how you feel about that. Well, I still can't quite get my head around it, but, but we see people sometimes and you think, you have, you have found your place in life and because of that, you serve with passion. But we have to be prepared to serve. We have to be serious and intentional in the way that we serve. Jesus also said, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life. Jesus linked the, his sacrifice, his, his giving of his life, directly to the act of service. He knew that, that serving man was going to require a literal life sacrifice. Now hopefully we won't be called to, to do something as extreme as that. But we are called to be obedient, to be submissive, to be loyal to what God wants us to do in life, whatever and wherever that may be. When I was preparing for this, I, I gave myself five minutes and I thought, right, okay, South Green. I'm going to start a timer and in that time I'm going to write down a list of names and what they do, people who serve. Because this congregation, we might not be huge in number, but we are huge in the proportion of servants we have to, to the number of people. It's not an exhaustive list. I know there are more people than this. I put down Norman and Pauline and David and Maggie. Servants, if ever there were them. People who serve others, who give up so much time and energy serving other people selflessly and have done for years and years. I put down Paul. Every week, you get here early, you stand on the door, you welcome people, you encourage people. It's serving I put down Martin, Trevor and Leslie, Neil, who turn up early, week after week, and help with setup. Apologies if there's anybody in the setup rotor that I've missed. But everybody involved in the setup, like Sally said earlier, like David said earlier, this is vital to the church running. From the chairs to the microphone to the screen to the lecterns. It's serving. I put down Joan, who leads worship week after week. I actually put down Sally and Roger as well, because last week they had to put up with me preaching at Perry Street, leading worship. They're doing it again this week, and I've just noticed that Sunday Mead next week, you're down again. They serve. They have full-time jobs. They serve week after week after week, preparing worship. I put down Sue and Amy and Jill 
whenever there's a, a, a catering event where we want food or anything like that, they, they, they make it happen. Richard at Christmas, you're the go-to person for a buffet after the carol service. People serving. And serving with, with, with gusto, with enthusiasm, with passion. I put down Margaret. As soon as she sees someone in the high street homeless, she's there talking to them, feeding them, taking them bedding and clothing, helping them, finding out their story and giving them time. I put down Derek on the mission team. Whenever we have people come to us, it's it's been arranged by the mission team. The mission team do a huge amount in, in, in making sure that our mission partners, our relationship with them is strong and that we're doing as much as we can. And in my five-minute time, I ran out. But I could have gone on. Because I know that there are other people here who serve in so many ways, who do things week after week. And I apologise if I didn't get you in in the five minutes. But you are appreciated. Because I've not heard anybody serving in this church begrudgingly, moaning. I see people serving with a smile on their face, with joy, And that's why this is a good place to worship. That's why we're a happy congregation. Because we look after one another. We submit to one another. And we serve one another. You see, wouldn't it be awful to get to our day of reckoning? The day when we're called home. And so, Leave knowing could have done more. We didn't pull our weight. We didn't make a difference to other people's lives. We didn't share our faith. We didn't serve in a way that God called us to because we were too busy or too tired or maybe too scared or maybe too caught up in our own ambition. None of us get it right all the time. We all have our moments where we let ourselves down, where we let God down. But the most important thing is that we never stop serving. We never stop asking, Lord, what can I do for you today? Lord, what are you calling me to to do in your service today? What are my orders today as I go out into the battlefield? What do you want me to do? The great thing is, though, the promise of Scripture is that if we serve wholeheartedly, if we make sure that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, then when that day comes, as a result of our obedience and our willingness to serve with joy, gratefully, reflecting our gratitude for what Jesus has done for us, then on that day we'll be greeted with those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So this week, regardless of where you are in life, whether you're out at work, whether you're sitting at home alone, ask God how you can serve. 
Every day we should be turning to God. How can I serve you? What can I do for you? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to stop? What initiatives can I, can I get involved in or start? Who can I pray for right now? Because God uses us all the time. Like I said at the start of the service, even in the conversations that we may have had in the past few weeks where we've said to somebody, come along to Alpha. And they said, you're joking. It's a load of rubbish. No interest at all. And we felt a bit crushed and like a bit of a failure. Actually, God can use the smallest opportunity. It's all an act of service. And it's all an act of service which God sees and celebrates. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you. Lord, you sent your son into this world to be the ultimate servant. And so, Father, we pray that you'll help us to recommit ourselves this morning to studying the example that Jesus set us and to making sure that we do everything we can to faithfully follow that example, to serve those around us wholeheartedly, to serve them with an attitude that we are serving you ultimately. Father, we know that you call us to serve. We pray, Father, that if you have a specific job for us, you will make it clear that you will will make our hearts bursting with desire to, to get stuck in and to do it. And Lord, we pray that you will encourage us, strengthen us and support us as we seek to serve you. Father, thank you that we are your people. You are our God and we can have the privilege of serving you in your kingdom. Father, bless us as we try to do our best in that role. In Jesus' name, amen.